Marvel Ortega, author of Ghost Squad and Witchlings. And I'm Kat Cho, author of the Kumiho Duology and Once Upon a K-Prom. And this is Write or Die. Woohoo! Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome First back. episode of a new season. Yes. New season of Write or Die. Um, we hope everyone had a really good summer vacation. Yes. I know that for some people, summer vacation doesn't have the same meaning if you're not <laughs> like in school anymore. But I, I still feel like summertime like has a vacation-y feel. People, people travel more in the summer. Yeah, I, I definitely saw more people traveling, and I think it's because more people had the vaccine and felt okay. But there was like a small yeah. window of time where like people did stuff, and like I feel as if it's regressing a little oh, bit. Oh no, that the I people mean, are afraid. Yeah, Pe- yeah, but we don't have to talk about that. On we're not a healthcare podcast or anything like. No, that. <laughs> <laughs> but it's all. um, it's it's uh, it's interesting to be back. We we both definitely needed a break um, just from, you know, the weekly recording schedule just because we both had like a bajillion deadlines. Mm, Yeah. Um, We still do. (laughs) So it's not like it solved anything. But but it was good to kind of like just focus on the writing for a couple of months. Um, And in that vein, uh, do you want to (laughs) like... I was thinking we could talk about what we did on our summer break. <laughs> what I did on my <laughs> summer vacation. Yeah. Um, so I've been working on, uh, well, Witchlings, which everybody uh, should know about. Please mm-hmm. go pre-order it, witchlingsworld.com. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been doing, like, a final passes, past pages, um, filling out, like, publicity forms, mm-hmm. you know, talking to my editor about different things. I had, like... Um, a couple of uh, internal events like with Scholastic about the book and also uh, I did stuff for the Ghost Squad paperback Um, like it's going to have a glossary and the first chapter of Witchlings I'm working on something else that I can't tell you guys about but it's exciting (laughs) I can tell you it's middle grade also but that's it Um, oh also worked on like past pages and stuff for Frizzy my uh, graphic novel and short story stuff and then one other secret thing wow so bus- oh my gosh it's been busy. <laughs> so much stuff i mean i i love how i'm like wow like i don't already know all of this stuff yeah, as it good podcast acting i actually have deadlines for almost all of that in august so <laughs> oh god i know help me but by the time this episode comes out you'll be past oh um you're so so um how do you feel now that you're done with all your deadlines i feel great and i feel great that everyone got the vaccine <laughs> literally <laughs> uh, i can't believe we're at a hundred percent vaccination amazing right now. wow <laughs> what how responsible everyone in this country is i'm so proud of you all you gold star from me um <laughs> what what did i do i literally have next to me actually a post-it with all of my deadlines for like the past like five months because I had so many deadlines and they kept on like shifting as things came up. So I had to write them down because I that's how I had to schedule like my daily work routine because oh I'd be gosh. like, OK, like K-Prom revision is due next week. So I have to do that even though the short story revision is due the week afterwards. Like I have mm. to prioritize things. Right. And yeah. so. Um, I literally have like so many <laughs> deadlines, but August was pretty bad for me. I did. I had a lot of deadlines for K-Prom. I did like copy edits and first pass pages. And then I was supposed to draft a new project, secret project. Um, but by the time this episode comes out, my hope and dream is that that project is turned in. Yeah. Um, so I, I hope so. Um, but... I hope so too. I mean, there's been good stuff, too. Like, as you get, you know, as you get to this place where you're doing copy edits and first pass, you also get to, like, look at interior design of the um, of the book and you get to look at Mm. um, jacket copy and cover design and all that fun stuff. So I did get to see all of that stuff and it was super duper exciting. I can't wait for people to see what we've got in store for you for K-Prom, which is my next book out with Disney. I 
hope that it's up for pre-order but if not all links that are available are definitely on my website but yeah I, I I'm starting it's a real book now like once you get to like copy edits yeah it's pretty real <laughs> yeah and I, I I feel that for sure I feel like the first like it's real feeling is when you get the cover but then when all that stuff starts happening then it really hits you because it's like oh wait <laughs> This is going to be a bookstores. For um, real. That's exciting. Yeah. Um, I hope that you will all please support all our books so that we can buy more <laughs> skincare products because we need them. We got to keep our skin glowing. Yeah. I get so many questions about my skin. And I'm like, <laughs> I already did a tutorial on TikTok. Just got to <laughs> scroll. <laughs> Stop asking. Um, yeah. I... I, I definitely um I feel so I feel so happy in those moments where I kind of like get to just sit with the fact that I'm writing more books Mm. and and people seem to still want to read books that I write and it's so cool and it makes me really happy and and that was something that I was reminded of over the summer because um since like all of the people that I'm mostly close with have gotten fully vaccinated uh this year I finally got to meet up with people in person, mm-hmm. um, but we were still being so cautious mm-hmm. in the first half of the year that I really didn't meet up with that many people until like starting in like late July. Yeah, and so and we and we still did a lot a lot of like work on making sure we're social distancing and stuff. But um, I, I met up with a lot of like non-publishing people. And they were like, we're so proud of you and like kind of talking about how they perceived, you know, my author journey from their perspective. Mm. And I'm like, that's true. Like for people outside of the community, like this is pretty cool what we get to do. And this is like pretty amazing and awesome. And and I kind of loved being reminded about these outside perspectives um, and how lucky we are, because I do think I let a lot of the pressure and the stress of it kind of bogged me down in the first half of the year. Um, and I really let it kind of pull me into this like dark place that it was hard for me to crawl out of. And I'm really, I feel really lucky that I have such positive people in my life that helped me see the good parts of it. Yeah, of course, as you should. Like, it's really cool to have one book out in the world, let alone so many books that you're stressed out about all the deadlines that you have (laughs) like it is very champagne problems and we are very aware of that just so everyone Mm -hmm. knows um but we're really grateful that like since the beginning of like when ride or die started to now it's where our careers are in such different places and uh yeah we've we are definitely much busier and we also to the uh have a announcement uh that sort of ties into that and it's that this is going to be the last season of writer die and i i feel like i could feel the souls of many writers just going no <laughs> I said that. yeah it's, it's it's bittersweet to announce that this is the last season because we've gotten so much from this podcast um like a great community has been built up around it. And so many people have come up to us and talked to us because of the podcast, oh God, so which has been such a positive um, outcome of it, of like people feeling like they can come and say hello. And, and I still want people to feel like that even after the podcast is gone. Like I love, I love meeting new people in this community. I think it's such a great part of this community, um, meeting new people and connecting over stories. But like Clarabel said, we're both getting so busy and it has kind of become an issue of like scheduling and making sure that we're producing the best content as we can and being really thoughtful and not just like churning out like the same thing over and over and over again. We want it to be dynamic and interesting for all of you as listeners. Like you're giving us your time, spending your time with us listening to our podcast. So we want it to be something of value to you, but mm. Um, we do feel like slowly it has become less of a thing we are able to do as we're getting more opportunities with our writing careers. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's bittersweet because 
I think like ride or die for me at least like has helped me get through some really tough times at the beginning of my author career and helped me connect with people in a way that's helped that's given me the energy to carry on and sustain mm-hmm. um, and I'll be forever grateful for that yeah um, for sure. and forever grateful to you Claire Bell for inviting me to be a co-host yeah it was on this podcast it, yeah. it felt like the natural thing like once we had an episode together it felt really good and so many people were like you guys should do the show together um because it sort of felt like we were both the hosts when you were a guest on my podcast and that's just because our friendship is like that like we are very much uh sort of in tune with one another so it works Mm -hmm. but you know i i hope that you're all not too sad please know that all the episodes are still going to be up uh, forever as long as mm-hmm. like anchor is up and it's free to have it yeah. up there if they ever change their platform i'll try to figure out a way to move it somewhere else so that you can still have access to the episodes mm-hmm. um but there are a lot of really great podcasts uh that you can listen to instead of us and we'll you know i'm sure we'll recommend a couple as the season progresses and also like if you're a writer of color and you want to do something like this like do it (laughs) go for it like if if you're if you're interested in it if it seems fun to you if you want to help others in the community um it's really been a great experience but it's Mm -hmm. just run its course like things sometimes do and we don't want to like force something that we both feel is like done you know like ride or die did what it had to do (laughs) and and it's time for us both to uh, to move on but but that it's still gonna be a really great season yes we have so many amazing guests scheduled yes. for this season and and we're super excited to be able to still spend the next few months with you talking books and writing and all of that and um, you know because it's the last season um, we did tweet out on the write or die twitter account that if you have anything that you want us to try to get to to talk about in our pre-chats to please reply to that tweet and let us know Mm -hmm. um just as a way to kind of pay you guys back for the community that you've given us and all of the time that you've given us and the love you've given us we definitely want to make sure that this last season even though it's the last if you've had a burning question um we'll try to get to it in some of our pre-chats uh, for this final season of Ride or Die. Yeah, for sure. And we'll still be, both be online, so you can bother us. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> We're not going anywhere in terms of being a part of this community. <laughs> right. And I am, just so everyone knows, I I, I don't think even Kat knows this, but I <gasps> wanted to... <laughs> exclusive. A I wanted secret? To, I wanted to... Um, and by the time this comes out, I would have already done one, but... I wanted to have like a format where I would be able to answer writer questions in person, um, like not in person, but like face to face sort of virtually. Um, so on TikTok, I think I'm going to be doing these like um, it's called author pep talks where like I go and talk about publishing and answer all your questions. And there's going to be like a focus each epi- episode, like quote-unquote episode not really it's just like a live um (laughs) but I'm sure I'll do them with other authors sometimes I'm sure I'll do one with Kat um but like I'm not too busy (laughs) but these are going to be a lot less for like it's going to be more informal less Mm -hmm. often just like uh once a month maybe um just to keep providing a resource because I really do like giving advice to writers yeah, um, but at a certain point, I feel like it needs to be more like specific to people because otherwise, you keep talking about the same sort of things over and over again, right? So definitely. Um, so that's something to look out for. For sure. I mean, there's so many ways on other platforms to kind of interact directly with people. Mm. Um, so I'm sure, like, we'll both find ways to like do AMAs yeah, or whatever sure. every once in a while. Like, yeah. definitely follow us both on our social media it's always in our show notes Mm. um but we definitely want to stay connected with all of you and this is not goodbye it's just so long for now it's a change (laughs) in how we connect with all of you but anyway we still have a whole season so let's not be sad yet (laughs) yeah yeah don't worry 
Um, but yeah, so surprise. (laughs) 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 Okay. That's the end of the free chat then. In 18th century France, Marie must select her sister's victims to protect her. But when a child turns up dead, she's forced to break the curse or face who's really become a monster. With perfume magic, snowy forests, a brooding lord, and a girl who becomes a beast, Stalking Shadows is a retelling the way retellings should be done. Fresh and vivid, comparable to Angela Carter's work, Stalking Shadows is available September 14th. This week's guest is Misa Sugiyota. Misa's ancestors include a poet, a priestess, a samurai, and a stowaway. Her first novel is It's Not Like It's a Secret, and it won the Asian Pacific Islander American Librarians Association's Award for Young Adult Literature. Her latest book, Love and Other Natural Disasters, has been praised by the American Library Association as hilariously awkward and honestly poignant. Misa, how are you? Uh, I'm great. I'm so happy to be on this podcast. Oh, we're so happy to have you. Um, So definitely love how all of your books, I think hilariously awkward and honestly poignant actually is is universally applicable (laughs) to your books (laughs) um they're so like authentically the teen experience of like that balance of like awkwardness but like humor and joy and weird and (laughs) Um, so these quotes definitely seem to be the perfect pull quotes for for your books um we're super excited for you to be on the podcast with us um, and to be here to celebrate our first episode back after our summer break. Yeah. <laughs> How has your summer been? Um, it has been pretty, pretty chill, which is kind of a weird word for an old person like me to use, but <laughs> I have a 17 year old, 18 year old, so he says it all the time. Anyway, um, yeah, I mean, you know, we stayed home <laughs> listen and, that's um, responsible and good thing to do it's fine yeah <laughs> and I think uh yeah that was that was kind of it I went to Chicago briefly to visit my mom and oh, nice. dad and uh yeah and now I'm back the kids are starting school and and off we go into the school year I guess oh my goodness yeah and we were just talking before we started recording that like it's so weird that school is starting up like I know but, what is even happening? I can't believe that. Um, but also, um, you know, sit in the summer break or was it over the summer? Your book, your latest book came out. Yes. Oh, yes. That's, yeah. <laughs> and also that. <laughs> and oh, yeah, we're here to talk about books. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just, you know, like I Clarabelle, I was looking at your um I was looking at your Instagram and it's that same thing of like, just the, it's just been quiet. Like summer's usually a big season for like, you know, all these books are releasing and like people are, I mean, I guess that's been, I don't know, you know, having events and mm-hmm. um, yeah. So I guess, yeah, it felt like, Oh, it, it almost feels like, it, and I know you can relate to this. Like it almost feels like it didn't happen because <laughs> like I didn't have a party and I didn't, you know, like yeah. I didn't go anywhere. I didn't do anything. Yeah, um, it's very, it's a very surreal uh feeling. It's it's a very weird time to put books out. Um and I know that a lot of people are sort of praying that things get better soon. Um I still have hope, but it is hard, you know, to yeah. think about uh it and and I don't think a lot of people realize like how many things we had canceled because <laughs> because of all of this. Like every like my book came out in uh, last year and like it, I fe- it felt like every other week like leading up to my book coming out I got another email like this event has been canceled like you oh, yeah. remember to cancel this flight and it was like one gut punch after the other it was so difficult and yeah. Um, yeah. now I'm at the point where I'm just like laughing at everything because like there's nothing else I can do except for being like this is so crappy (laughs) that I just have to like make jokes about it because like and some people are like yeah I I I wanted to go back to like when I released my book this time and I was like I don't know what that feels like bro (laughs) 
God. <laughs> you will though. It's I only happen. know this. <laughs> this, is, this is the yeah. only life you've ever known. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, you know what's interesting is I've seen people post um, videos of the babies they've had during the pandemic. Oh my are now like a year old. And they're like, my baby doesn't know any other life. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no. I love how smart they all are. And people are like, why? And I was like, because their parents are home with them. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they have so much, like, you know, one-on-one care. <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's what happens when you allow parents to be with their children. What a concept. <laughs> Maybe let's rethink, like, maternity. Everything. <laughs> let's rethink it all. <laughs> I am that's I I didn't I've thought you like as a person who has gone through like parent like I gotta say I'm mostly like oh my god like those poor parents <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean babies too. are like awesome for sure <laughs> but like yeah <laughs> you know, that's yeah fair and true <laughs> not yeah not to rain on the like parade but it's yeah like I I wonder I really so are you are you feeling like wow all these babies have like so much time with their parents do you feel like it's I don't I don't know a lot of babies anymore but um okay let's back up let's rewind okay (laughs) so love and other natural disasters came out this summer it's your latest book um and you know I it's like we were saying, like, you know, it's so different releasing a book in the pandemic versus releasing your first book, right? Um, that that at, at least you got to <laughs> release before all of this happened. Um, what was it? But, you know, what was there anything different that you did when you released Love and Other Natural Disasters that kind of you thought was kind of a, a nice surprise, at least? Um, let's see. Well, here's the thing. Yes. So I did, um, you know, I did a, like, like, you know, the online launch, right? Like with a bookstore and we had a, whatever, you know, they did it on a video that went on you. I forget where it went, YouTube or something. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, at first, cause we, it was, it was in June. So it was like in California anyway, like it was like June 15th, like we might start, start, things are going to start opening up. I was like, Oh, maybe yeah. I can, maybe I can like maybe do an outside event, you know, because the bookstore mm-hmm. I usually work with has like a little pavilion oh, outside. Yeah. And, um, uh, but yeah, but you know, the people were like, mm, you know, we're going to play it safe and we'll just do it online. And so, for, so for, at first I was like, Oh man, I was like so looking forward to like maybe having something in person. But then I realized that I could invite every person like on my holiday letter list, <laughs> like, you know, and um, mm-hmm. so it wasn't, just the people who were local you know like my my mother-in-law who lives in Pennsylvania like she got to like see it you know and my my parents didn't have to spend the money to fly out which they did for my first one you know and all that stuff so everybody it was it was it it turned out to be a really really fun and exciting event that way like even though I didn't get to see the people like I knew that a lot of my old friends are from like all around the country and even some friends from Japan and someone in Saudi Arabia like tuned in for a little bit and that was the fun part. That was what I was excited about. Um, and, and I sort of spontaneously invited two other people. I noticed on, like on Twitter, one person from my debut class and then another person who's semi-local to me who lives in Sacramento. So that was Jared Reck and, um, Claire Kahn or can, um, they each had books releasing on the same day. So I was like, you guys should do this with me. And so we all did a we all did it together and they invited their friends and um, it turned out to be a really fun thing to do. So I love the fact that you ended up inviting other people who was had the same release date. I I, I know that there's like conflicting feelings about being like, Oh, my events at the same time as your event. And like, I want to support you, but I'm doing my, my thing. And you got to combine your powers. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It was really cool. It was, yeah, it was totally fun. And I, you know, for, again, like for a half a second, I was like, oh, but then it won't be all about me. And, <laughs> <laughs> it's the, listen, it's the only time that we get to be like, hey, I'm proud. I did this thing. Pay attention. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm slowly, I mean, like, you know, a lot of authors are like, oh, I don't like to be the center of attention, but I love, like, <laughs> like, oh, girl, me I, like, I'm just like, <laughs> My my wedding day was one of the funnest days of my life because everyone kept coming up to me and being like, hi, and, you know, I got to be the star. So that's what I, I was 
yeah, but then it was just great because we could share the event together. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I think that makes it super fun, especially when it's sort of like a situation like that where it has to be virtual. Like, that's the same thing that I did. I enlisted like some more friends to be with me and it, it was it was actually super fun. Um, you got to make the most of it at the end of the day. Right. And yeah. do what you can to like, to celebrate it. Cause I think, I feel like if you don't, you'll look back on it and, um, and regret not celebrating it because it's a big accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, if anyone is still having to do online events, like I highly encourage, just like I literally invited every single person that, who, that I had an email for like, so <laughs> You know, you just never know. Because people who don't, because it's, yeah, it's a big deal to publish. And and especially people who aren't in the sort of familiar with the publishing industry. Like, all you have to say is, I published a book. And they're like, oh, my God, you're a famous author. You know? <laughs> yeah. 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 And, when's the um, movie coming out is the right, next question. Right. Oh, yeah. my gosh. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, I, so a lot of people who I just hadn't. I was like, whatever. So what if I haven't emailed you in 16 years? You know, like, <laughs> are you there? Do you want to come to my launch? <laughs> Honestly, like, you know, the worst that can happen is they just delete the email and they don't come. You yep. know, that's, mm-hmm. you know, no problem then. And and also if people can, if people that I went to high school with can message me on Facebook and ask me to like buy like Avon products from them, like... <laughs> You can you can email people and be like, hey, you want to come to a one hour book a book launch event? Yes, exactly. That's it's absolutely free. free and uh, yeah, <laughs> not asking you to sign up any of your friends to also sell beauty products. This is just about one event that might be fun for you. Yeah, it's virtual. You can be in your pajamas. Like it's not a Tupperware party. I swear. Like just come. <laughs> not a Tupperware if you have time. Party. <laughs> like the amount. I like the amount of. Pe- this is how I know I'm an adult. Is that I get invited to like Avon and Tupperware parties. Now. There are still oh Tupperware God. parties. There well, are still not Avon parties. Not Tupperware, but I do like. Pe- there's like people who are like I sell this this line of beauty products now that are like I'm a representative of it like come listen to my spiel and I'm like no I'm okay yeah, like yeah multi-level marketing that's it what is. that is mm. it is it scares me I'm like I don't want to get involved in this <laughs> mm-hmm. Yo, like like pam- I like I remember going to like pampered chef parties I don't know if they have those mm anymore my, they, my like, aunts yeah. did that a lot and to be fair though I do still like they would buy us stuff from pampered chef like i still have this like crinkle cutter to like crinkle cut <laughs> vegetables and i love it i'm like yeah let's crinkle cut my cucumbers they're so fancy so uh, some of some of it's nice yeah. <laughs> low, yeah. as long as it's low pressure <laughs> yes anyway anyway back to books <laughs> yeah yes. oh we keep on going on tangents tangents <laughs> yeah we have to focus because this is one of the, those episodes um, so, okay, um, let's rewind yet again. And, and Misa, can you tell us a little bit about your publishing journey and sort of how you got into writing, how you got your literary agent, all that good stuff? Yeah, sure. Um, so I actually, um, I love this question because I actually have a little school presentation where I broke it all down. So I got, oh, nice. Yeah. So you're ready. I'm yeah. ready. Um, <laughs> and so I was well, actually, I should preface this by saying um, I kind of sort of, you could say I worked on my craft for many, many years by, this is going to sound silly, but I like I write these holiday letters where I try to not say, like, here's all the things that I can boast about, like, you know, my kid's president of the whatever class, because my kids were, like, didn't do anything special in school <laughs> or sports, so I had to, like... I was like, I'm just going to write about who we are as a family and like what kind of people we are. And so I, looking back, I got a lot, I didn't write stories, but I tried to tell the story of the year and like, and, um, encapsulize in one paragraph, like the kind of people each of us are. Um, so that was my like writing practice. And I highly recommend working on your craft before you like, you know, start querying, but I was reading a book. I was not reading a book actually with my book club because um, it was one of those ones where you just get together and drink a lot of wine and no one's actually read the book. Uh, it was a self-help book 
about, you know, like achieving your dreams. And so we did one of the exercises together as part of the book club because no, we didn't have anything, like since no one had read the book, we hadn't, we couldn't say anything about the book itself. And we did an activity where you like write down all your like secret dreams that things that you would do if you weren't afraid to fail. And, you know, so when I was honest with myself, it was like, oh, I think I want to write a, it would be so awesome if I could publish a book. And that was something I had never really said to myself before. So I was like, all right, well, you know, what do I have to lose? Nothing. And my son, my younger son was going back to school full time or going to school. He was starting first grade. And I was, so I was like, well, you know, I'm just going to spend a year and try to write something. And if it goes well, then I'll keep doing it. And if it doesn't, then I'll go back to work. Cause I used to be a high school teacher. And uh, so then I Googled how to write a book and like every step of my publishing journey was preceded by like hours on Google trying to like step-by-step what to do. And I'm very good at following directions. And so I, you know, like how to pace a book, how to plot a book, how to, you know, like have stakes that matter and how to write characters and how to write a scene, all that stuff. And it took me about a year to write this book. Oh, I should add that I then decided to write young adult because I, you know, I taught high school and it just sort of felt like the right space for me. Um, it felt like a voice, you know, I read a couple of books and I was like, oh, I could totally do this voice. Like I know this voice from having spent so much time with teenagers. Yeah. And I, I did my research. I read what was out there. You know, I spent like a month or so, two months just reading and reading and realized that um, there were a few books with Asian characters. And it was just at the beginning, just at the very beginning of books being published about um, queer characters. But the Asian characters were all straight, except for one book by Sarah Farazan, and um, which was called something about how do I, oh, I'm blanking. Isn't it like If You Could Be Mine? Is that her yeah, debut? So that, yes, yes, that okay. was her debut. And the one I read was like, tell me how a crush should feel or something yes. like that. Yes, mm-hmm, yeah. Um, so I read that and then, yeah, but and and with with that exception, all the kids, all the books about queer kids that I read were about white kids. So I was like, oh, well, this is, now I know what I need to write. Does it, yeah, I want to write a book about a girl who's, uh, an Asian girl who's queer. And yeah, and it took me about a year to do the manuscript. And um, then I was like, well, now what? So I Googled how to get a book published. And then I Googled how to find an agent. And um so that's and that's what I did. I did all the all I did all the things that Google tells you to do. And and from there it was just I got lucky. I got super lucky with the topic. It was just sort of you know, the market was just opening up to books about about Asian kids and about queer kids and about that intersection. And uh I have the number here. I queried a total of 30 agents over the course okay. of about six weeks. Okay. Four weeks, six weeks. Um, of those 30, nine agents never even responded to the email. Uh, one, six agents rejected, like sent a rejection based on the query and the, you know, like the 10 pages or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, 13 agents requested a full manuscript and then said, no, thank you. And two agents offered representation. I love these stats. Yeah. Yeah. You got it down. Good number. Yeah. So it was 28 (laughs) no's and two yeses. And then, you know, then I had calls. Well, so yeah. So the one agent offered and then I nudged everybody. And then a bunch of those were the ones, a bunch of those 13 that rejected the full manuscript were like, oh, uh, well, no, thank you. Or "Eh, I don't have to to read it after all. And, you know, um, and then one other agent was like, oh, yes, 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 definitely. Let's talk. So, um, yeah. So then. From there, I just chose the one agent, and then, um, uh, and it was that was in July, and we took August off to sort of do a revision, and she submitted the book to 16 publishers, um, I think all at once, yeah, or 16 editors all at once, um, and she's uh, so my agent is Lee Feldman, and she's been in the business since like the mid 90s, I think. Uh, so she just has built relationships everywhere and it, so it only took a couple of weeks, uh, to get an offer, which is really unusual. But again, like she's, she's someone who, uh, knows enough editors that will 
see her email and just read that manuscript right away. Yeah, so I had uh, 14 no's and two yeses. Uh, so yeah, two offers and then calls and yeah, and then I went with Harper Teen. All right. So um, for people who sort of might be dealing with having more more than one offer of representation, how did you go about uh, choosing which agent you ended up going with? Um, yeah, that was such a tough decision for me. Uh, the, the agents who offered were, were two. Yeah, so there was Lee and then this other agent who was um, really wonderful. But they were so different so the the one agent like I kind of I felt like I clicked with her personally I felt like we were kind of this a lot the same and she was really nice and I got the sense that she'd be yeah someone I could like you know maybe be friends with and Lee was kind of all business and she's not like you know some agents are like a therapist and lately was clearly not going to be my therapist (laughs) (laughs) totally fair yeah (laughs) yeah but she um she actually sort of sold my book to me um oh the other and the other agent was new and so I was like oh that would be cool because you know like I'll be one of her early clients and she could pay a lot of attention to me and she clearly loved my book but Lee was really good at saying, this is what I loved your book and this is what I'm going to tell editors. And like, and it, and I was listening to it and being like, wow, wow, that's a really good book. Um, <laughs> and I was like, you know, like, I don't, you know, this is a business. Like I, as much as I really, really love the other agents, like personality and not that Lee and I, like not that Lee has a bad personality, but she's, you know, it's just like in real life, we might not be best friends, but yeah, she did such a good job selling the book to me. And then plus I knew she'd been, you know, she had a lot of connections and it was clear to me that she would be able to push and push and push, you know, my editors to do things that I would never be able to do. And um, I was like, that's, that's who I need because I'm not someone who is great at advocating for myself. So um, I needed someone who I felt like I was confident that they would go out there and like say all the hard things, you know? Mm-hmm. That's, I, I really love that you kind of explained your mindset of how you mm-hmm. made your decision, because I do think that's really important for everyone to kind of um, really think on what they personally think they need out of this business relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think we get so enamored with the idea of like, someone wants me really, like they think I'm good enough. I'm just going to say yes. Right. Like, mm-hmm. or, or they make the emotional decision if they're, if they're choosing between a couple of agents, but to really step back and be like, well, what logically do I need for my career and for my books? And to be able to make that choice of being like, even though this person's not going to be my best friend, that's okay because they're going to give me what I need for my career. And that's number one here. Mm-hmm. And I've had a lot of conversations with other friends who are authors who've, who've felt exactly the same way as you, where they're like, listen, like, I get it. This is a social industry. Like we socialize all the time, but like, don't have blinders because of that. Like allow yourself to make the business decision. And I really appreciate that. Um, I personally need an agent who can like talk me down, (laughs) (laughs) but that was something I knew, right? Like I knew my personality and I knew that like, I'm so anxious. And my anxiety is so tied up in my creativity Mm. that the person who's going to be able to manage my career will also be able to manage my anxiety. Um, But but that was something that I had to unpack for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know that not everyone needs that. So I really love that you told that part of your story because I hope that like people listening are kind of getting some value out of that and realizing like, oh, I do need this or I don't need this kind of a... Yeah, absolutely. You know, and like, and, you know, Lee was upfront with me. She's like, I'm not going to like, if you give me something that I'm not sure is going to work, I'm not going to say like, oh, let's see if we can work on it. I'm just going to say, nope, this is not it. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're going to be my client, you need to be able to take that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And I, yeah, and I know about myself that that's, that doesn't bother me. So I was like, okay, I could handle it. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, but some people are, you know, it's, it's just, it's just different people react different ways to that sort of um, to that sort of, uh, like response. So, yes, for sure. I can definitely see how for some personality traits, someone being like, this isn't going to work. Let's move on. They would get really upset and be like, why can't you even talk about it? 
mm-hmm. over with me. Um, but that's really great, I think. And obviously, you've created this good working relationship because you've been, you know, selling your books pretty regularly, and they've been doing really well. Um, so that's that's amazing. Can you, for our listeners who might not have um, picked up Love and Other Natural Disasters yet, can you kind of give a little overview about what your latest book is about? Yeah, it is about this girl named Nozomi, who is kind of a hopeless romantic and like a relentless optimist. And she goes through kind of a humiliating rejection at a party at the end of the year, at the end of the school year. And is kind of on the brink of like spending a sad summer in her room. And her uncle, her like cool uncle in San Francisco, gives her a call or whatever, you know, arranges for her and her older brother Max to go and spend the summer in San Francisco with him and his partner and like do an internship at the museum, at the art museum where he works. Um, and so, you know, she's like, oh, great, this is. This is going to be like my like glow up summer. I'm just going to go there. I'm going to be a whole new person. I'm going to be like the person who doesn't get rejected. I'm going to be, you know, have this glamorous new life, you know, and, and part of that package, I'm oh, like, you know, what the heck? I'm going to have this gorgeous girlfriend. And she has these fantasies about this wonderful romantic life she's going to have. And she goes there and, you know, lo and behold, because it's a romantic comedy, she runs into this gorgeous girl and, um, coincidentally <laughs> they happen she had the, that girl happens to also be working at the museum and so while she has this crush she then learns that that girl willow has recently broken up with her girlfriend and then there's a situation where all of a sudden the girlfriend's the ex-girlfriend is there and willow says to nozomi you can you just be my girlfriend just pretend to be my girlfriend right now for a second so that we don't so that i can save face in front of my ex so Nozomi, being a huge fan of romantic comedies, is super excited because she knows that every time that you start off with fake dating, you it ends up the you know the two fake daters end up falling in love for real. So yeah, she's of like, course. yes, yes, <laughs> right. Like that's always the way it goes. So she's all in and she's all excited, and she like you know so it's like she's into the scheming and she's trying to set up this wonderful fun dating relationship and they do all these fun romantic things in San Francisco to keep trying to keep up the ruse and it doesn't you know nothing ever goes quite the way you plan it <laughs> is basically how the rest of the story goes lots of hijinks and uh, mishaps and and um misunderstandings and then all is well in the end yay okay. i i love that i mean i love fake dating as a trope so a mm. character who is very into the trope that they're acting out and they're like, Ooh, it's going to be just like a story. Like it's so meta to me. And I, <laughs> I kind of adore that concept. <laughs> I love yeah. fake dating so much. Mm-hmm. Like all I want is for one of my friends in real life to do it. And then like, tell me about to it. To do it with you? Drinks. Oh, oh, not like with to me. <laughs> no. I was Kat, like, isn't that what we're doing? Date? No, I mean like, I want that to happen in, IRL and then for <laughs> someone to tell me all the deeds um like while we're having quesadillas and margaritas it sounds like the most fun I'm on it dinner I'm on it. I'll find someone to fake date <laughs> I love that trope um yeah I, I don't care like how good or bad the actual movie is like I am always down to watch a fake dating movie or read a book sure. so heck yeah yeah a hundred percent a hundred percent it's the best um <laughs> I and I I feel like it actually is so fun that you have kind of these things that in in your books that on its surface seems like, okay, this is your standard romance trope, but you kind of twist one small thing and you're like, okay, but what if I come at it from this side angle and it kind of gives it a fresh take, which I think you also did in It's Not Like It's a Secret because she has a secret crush on her best friend, mm-hmm. which could be seen as like such a trope, right? Um, but I think like because of how you framed it, it made it seem a, a lot fresher, which I always really love about your books. Oh, oh thank you. <laughs> um, and so you kind of talked about this earlier in your journey to publication, but obviously there's a lot of intersectionality in your books Mm -hmm. um and you know as 
queer authors of color, it's kind of hard to tell people like, hey, don't box me in this space, right? Like don't put, don't check, use check marks to like mm-hmm. say you, you fit this and this and this and this. Um, so is, is that something that, you know, you've had to battle against is, or, or is it just something that like you're, you're like, don't let that be in my way when you're writing your books? Like how are you navigating the expectations of this industry for yeah. intersectionality? Yeah, um, you know, I I think I just I just write the story I want to write. Honestly, like I I try not to get wrapped up in all of that. Um, mm-hmm. What people want or expect from me or from my characters? Yeah, because it's not a you know, so many people are like interested in like my personal life as well as you know like oh so mm-hmm. how much of this is about you you know mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> but, um here's the thing is like i'm i'm old <laughs> i'm 52 <laughs> so i feel like i like my work is my work and my personal life is my personal life and i don't really get myself wrapped up into like identifying with my work and like whether Mm -hmm. it succeeds or fails or what people think of it versus what people think of me and yeah so for me i just feel like this is the book i wrote these are the characters that i want to write these are the experiences that i feel are true and real and honest and here you go and you know like what what you do with it is up to you and i'm i'm just gonna live my life the way i live my life so i love that (laughs) I need to yes. write that down and like just look at it every once in a while for myself. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's just so dangerous to get caught up in what everybody else. I mean, obviously it's important because that's what sells books, like what people think of your books. But, you know, it does it has nothing to do with who you are as a person. So or it shouldn't right? your self-worth and all that mm-hmm. stuff. So. Well, then oh, yeah. How do you feel about the growing parasocial relationship? that readers kind of make with their authors and the trend of like higher demands of transparency from authors, especially queer authors and authors of color. Like, yeah. How, what's your opinion on all of that? Um, yeah. You know, I just was, I was, I was just on Instagram today reading um, Becky Albert, Albert Holly has been yes. really with that. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, she just put up a post about here's the things you can say and, uh, if, if you're someone who is not about uh, the sort of queer gatekeeping, right? And like, mm-hmm. well, are you queer or are you straight? And do you deserve to be writing these stories or do you not? And, you know, and, and, if, and, if, and if you're all of that, you know, if, if your public image is straight, well, then you better come out or else I'm not going to buy your books or all those things. And um, yeah, it's a bummer, right? Like, I get, you know, I totally, totally get this, like, like as an Asian person, like if I, if someone is, if a white person is writing an Asian story, I definitely sort of like my little antenna go up and my hackles go up a little bit and I'm like, Um, so I can see as a person who is, who is queer to, to see a book and, and really want it to be really know that the person who wrote that book has lived and understood the experience of the book. But, um, yeah, it's just such a tricky situation where it's, you know, there's plenty of people as we know, as we, as we've heard, like who aren't out and it's not comfortable for them for whatever reason. And just to place a label on them and say, well, then you're not allowed to write this book just doesn't seem fair <laughs> yeah I don't know it's a, it's it's a I like yeah I understand the feelings of people who who want to do that sort of gatekeeping um who want to feel like the person who wrote the book understands quote understands the experience and has lived the experience but sometimes you can't know and sometimes you have to be okay with that I guess yeah, absolutely. I think it's really hard. I, I like how Becky sort of broke it down and how you can ask about it without being horrible. <laughs> yes. Yes. And how you can point out like, this book has problematic representation 
in my opinion and like this is why like a specific reason not mm-hmm. i think this author might not be queer um yeah. and making it about someone's identity which can be so dehumanizing to have to go through in a public forum mm. um so well if it becky i think becky still has that up if if um if she does we'll link it um yeah in the show notes so people can see yeah um, it's good to self-educate about these mm-hmm. things and and it's totally fair if you like honestly didn't realize that some language does end up causing queer authors to feel uncomfortable because of the fact that this is an invisible marginalization in a lot of ways like and and the pressure to self-identify um but I, I think, you know, as we start to have these conversations more and more, it's really good to have these resources. Yeah, for sure. And to think about how we're having these conversations, because I think it's totally OK if you only want to support authors that are openly queer. I think that's mm-hmm. fine if that's mm-hmm. what you want to do. Yeah. But you shouldn't force people who aren't openly queer to disclose that to you um, mm-hmm. because that's your choice. Right. Uh, yes. I think that's like the big difference there. Yeah. Um, especially because I, I also feel like that's a very like US centric uh, sort of take on things because in some countries it is literally illegal to be a queer person. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're it's asking unsafe. people to put themselves in danger. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that that is very thoughtful or supportive of like our queer brothers and sisters. So um so yeah, that's definitely something to think about. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. Uh, Sorry, Misa, go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say there was yeah. I think Becky made a point, or the resource she was sharing made a point about like you know, and the and the thing is, if if you're reading a book and that some aspect of that experience is not the same as your experience, like that doesn't mean that that experience is not true or not yes. real or not authentic or you know, like we can't just say like, well, so you can't possibly, you must be straight or yeah whatever you know it yeah it's so hard because i mean it's making so many blanket assumptions based on such a small sample size of like if you don't fit my experience then how can you be queer like i'm queer kind of a conversation and and i also i i do think it's kind of like everyone has a right to um cultivate their own safe spaces but if your methods of creating your own safe space creates an unsafe space for another marginalized person then maybe rethink your methods and and I think that's really important for us to realize it's like you know yes of course like you are experiencing this type of marginalization and you've experienced a certain type of like you know trauma or whatever because of that and you're being protective of yourself and your space that's fair but I also just feel like it becomes this um a vicious cycle if like your way of protecting yourself is then putting other people at risk yeah yes yeah yeah uh, it's hard <laughs> but I, I i do really um like that that in our community we're able to have the hard conversations i i always do appreciate that about people in our community yes for sure i'm i i, I mean i've learned so much and i've um yeah just from from everybody from both of you you know and um it's been i i i love that you know that we have spaces and groups of people that yeah that we can really listen to each other and learn from each other definitely um so misa can you tell us a little bit about what it's been like for you writing as a second career yeah so um okay well as a so as I, I really never thought I was going to be a writer. Like I said, it was like one of those secret dreams that I didn't let myself say out loud. Um, and they often say, you know, like, oh, English teachers are just like people who secretly want to be writers. <laughs> and uh, yeah, for me, that turned out to be true. Um, and I, yeah, like I never, I always thought like writing was something that people did who, you know, like you read about, um, people who like feel like if they're not writing, they're not, they don't feel like they're alive, you know, or, or I've, I've, like, if I've got this story, it just has to be told or these characters that must, you know, uh, come out of my head and onto the page. And I never, ever felt that way. So um, when I decided to 
try writing. Yeah, I was I was surprised. I was surprised that I had something to say. I yeah, I think that's what what that's what spurred me was like I felt like there was this whole swath of people that I didn't feel were being represented in the books that I was reading. And, and that gave me kind of a mission. Yeah. That's, that's what drives me. Like the stories didn't just come to my head and, uh, and all of these, all the, of the three books I've written, like it's always been like a, me, like searching and searching and searching for something that I wanted to say. And I think that was, that's connected to my career as a teacher. Like I, I didn't want to write a story without, a purpose like I didn't you know what I mean I don't, I don't yeah know. like I didn't want to write a story for the sake of writing a story I wanted to write a story that meant something you know that 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 was gonna be something that my students or my former students could read and be like oh yeah this is something this is me this is us mm-hmm. yeah and it's such a different experience teaching which is you know being in front of 30 or 40 kids switching out every hour <laughs> so you know like contact like being like t- touching or talking to or seeing the faces of you know 200 people every day versus possibly nobody every day except for my mm-hmm. family mm, definitely yeah so I, I had taken a couple I had taken a few years off from teaching and that was a hard transition because uh, my identity my professional identity sort of I struggled to figure out what that was um, you know, like, oh, I'm a stay-at-home mom, but I really am a teacher, was what I was, would tell people. Yeah. And so the writing actually has been great, because I, you know, have a husband who, as we all know, like, even though you get published, that's not going to usually pay all your bills. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> he, uh, so he, but, but yeah, it was so great to feel like, all right, I have this identity now. I have, you know, I'm, I'm an author, and it's, so yeah, it, it feels for me, it feels good to have something that other than, and not to denigrate people who dedicate their lives to raising their children, but for me, I wanted to have something else, and so that was a good way for me to do it. And here's the thing, though, as as you both know, of course, is that often, it, you know, it's still like, oh, it, but it's really a hobby, you know, even oh, if yeah. you're like, holding off of that thing, like, <laughs> oh, so yeah. it's. So it's I so when people say, Oh, what do you do? And I say, I'm a writer or I'm an author, I always feel like it's just it's a funny thing to say, right? Like <laughs> wondering, like, are they thinking, Oh, do you just dabble and like, you know, like are you does that really work though? And um but you know, people used to say that about teaching too. So. <laughs> yeah, I I think like I think it's so odd for people to discount like the amount of like true labor that goes into writing a story and I, I I do think part of it might be because they assume it's always fun <laughs> but it's not you guys <laughs> it, really it is hard. not always fun <laughs> writing is hard um but yeah I feel like and also kind of I, I want to like be like yeah so I yeah I do have fun doing my job like does that mean it's less of a job like no it doesn't like I'm like like everyone has a right to choose a career that gives them fulfillment or joy or whatever I mean and I know that there's different factors there's different variables there's different uh, levels of privilege when it comes to choosing your career but I all of that aside like the fact that I write for a living and I enjoy my job like why does that mean that you should take me less seriously just because I enjoy my job right Um, I mean you know it's well it's the arts generally right it's not serious it's Mm -hmm. just just creative like it's just fun stuff that you did in kindergarten or like when your teacher didn't feel like teaching she did creative writing or whatever like (laughs) yeah it's so it's an it's weird it's it's odd and and the thing is like I think I fell into the trap too a lot in the beginning I, I think I did I did the thing that you do a lot still because I went from working in uh, medicine to working in you know publishing and I was like oh I'm I'm an author but I used to I used to work in medicine that's what mm-hmm. I always used to say mm-hmm. um, oh, so no. please still take me seriously <laughs> no, I didn't know that cat oh yeah I used to do it all I used to do it all the time when I first when I first made the transition but I've I've actively consciously been trying to change 
how I talk about my job um, because I do think it's unfair. I do. I, we work so hard to write our books. We, we really do. We really do, yeah. For sure. And uh, yeah, that whole thing of like, but I used to be a this. Uh -huh. like, yeah, or, or but, I, but I'm also a, you know, whatever. I'm also a lawyer. I'm also a marketing person or I don't know, whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> Somehow, yeah, just, yeah. So anyone who's listening out there, take yourself seriously. Take your work seriously. Yes. Yeah, you, ha you have to do that. Because mm -hmm. if you don't, no one else is going to. They're still going to ask you to go pick up Thea from the airport because they think you're just sitting there on your computer <laughs> and not actually working. And yeah. it's like, no, I'm, I'm working. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 100%. <gasps> hundred percent. Just because like, you enjoy the fruits of my labor doesn't mean that it was that much fun for me to, to create it. Right. And also because we, it's interesting that both like it happened to you both in your teacher job and that it happens in your author job, because I feel like they're both like, uh, industries that are dominated by, especially kid lit, I would say by like women, by women. or people who present as women and just how like people don't take us seriously mm -hmm. <laughs> um, for sure and sort of like bash the things that we enjoy and like even though there's such a force in in the world and in pop culture especially um but all of that is it's really frustrating cuz it's like yeah it, our job is interesting and cool but it's also a job <laughs> don't right. get it twisted <laughs> for sure <laughs> definitely we cry um, a lot, right? Oh my god! It, yeah, the re the way you know it's really a job is it makes it definitely makes you cry. <laughs> it might be in our own bathrooms, but we yeah. cry. It might not be. It might not be us leaving our desk at the office to go cry in the public bathroom, but it's still valid. We definitely it's, cry at conferences. Oh my god! The amount of conferences I've cried at. It's not. <laughs> Same. Crystal <laughs> and I are always waterworks at one point or another. Yeah. Just overwhelmed by literally everything. We're small children. Oh, gosh, <laughs> we're baby. Um, anyway, um, <laughs> okay, Misa. So everyone who comes on Ride or Die tells us their most embarrassing publishing-related story or something they wish they'd known before they started. You could do either or. You could do both. It's up to you. Okay. Um, you know, I, because I, yeah, I, 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 ugh, I, I don't think there's a whole lot of things that I don't get embarrassed easily, A, and I'm so quiet that I usually just sort of stick in my little corner and or not so quiet, but, you know, I don't put myself out there a ton. Um, I did have one incident where Jeff Zetner, who was, um, Zentner, Zentner, who was, um, <laughs> uh, you know, a young adult author, well, well, well reviewed and uh, critically acclaimed, and I think one and one has won awards. Anyway, he was at a local conference, and um, yeah, I did. I totally did one of those things where you, and this is why I don't do this anymore, <laughs> where you like walk up to a person. You know, I was like, "Hi, Jeff," and it was I had just been published. I was like, "Hi, I'm Misa." Like, I don't know why I thought he would know who I am, <laughs> but, <laughs> and, and and he's like, "Oh, hi." And then I realized I had nothing else planned to say. Oh, no. You know, it was one of those, like, awkward, he's like, okay. Um, I was like, yeah, I wrote a book. <laughs> you know, whatever. And yeah, it was, and then we stood there for another minute. Or not, not a minute. It felt like a minute. A second. <laughs> yeah, it was just, and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go get something to eat. And I faded away and, like tried not to be in the same room as him for the rest of the conference <laughs> oh but, no uh, yeah well but you know but that's a it's a small thing and he probably doesn't even remember it which is what I tell myself all the time when I do embarrassing things like but you know what Jeff is really really nice yeah and he I'm sure that have you seen him after that ever uh no I hadn't haven't okay haven't. I'm sure I'm sure if you told him he would be so sweet about it uh, so I wouldn't feel bad because he's not the kind of person who'd be like one time this weird person came <laughs> up to me she said hello to me and then just stood there no Jeff is like a sweet person so 
I, that's what, yeah, I'm like, that's what I, I'm like, I'm sure it was, he was just like, oh gosh, what do I say to her? But you know, like yeah. when you're on the other end, you're like, oh shit, I'm making a... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the oh yeah, that's it gets really us all. Hard. It gets us all, honestly. <laughs> it really does. But yeah, we're all awkward in yeah. <laughs> industry come on let's be honest there's like three actually charismatic naturally charismatic people everyone else is working our butts off at it yeah i i I think there's more than three i think there are there are there's a small pocket of authors who feel comfortable talking to other people Mm -hmm. but it's it's hard because you don't expect that when you go into it right you think like I can be a gremlin and do my work by myself. <laughs> I'm going to go um, to my cottage. There's so much public speaking. So, Misa, thank you so much for being on the podcast. <laughs> Such a chaotic so episode. <laughs> yeah. It's this, you know what? Chaotic episode is our first episode of the season. It seems yes. fitting. <laughs> um, can you just let all of our listeners know where they can find you on the internet? Yes, sure. Um, so, I have a website, which is my name misa sugiura uh dot com and it's it's it can be a tricky name to spell so i guess look for it in the show notes <laughs> yes we'll have and, it in the show um, notes <laughs> yeah and uh on oh gosh same thing why why did i do this to myself my twitter handle is also um kind of a weird one it's miscellaneous one uh same with instagram so i think it's probably easiest just to look me up by my actual name and then go to my accounts from there that's fair we'll have it we yeah. will have it all linked in the show notes so yeah. everyone can go to the website follow misa online and then of course buy the 20 prerequisite copies of yeah <laughs> of love and other natural disasters all wordies have to do that for all of our guests um but or else yeah or else but thank you again misa for being on the podcast with us Thanks for listening to Write or Die. Be sure to check out Wicked Fox by Cat Show and Ghost Squad by Clarabelle A. Ortega. And while you're at it, make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a review. See you next time, Wordies. And don't forget to spread the word.